It's episode 335 of the Girls Gone Wild podcast. How are you? What is new with you? Claire and I just got back from Whistler and we will be telling you all about it on a future episode. We know you love the Joy and Claire episodes, so don't worry. We are ramping those up again very soon. We've just had a great fortune of scheduling a bunch of great interviews, uh, including today's great guest, E.C. Senkowski is back. She was on episode 278 and 306. If you want to go back and listen to her previous episodes and get all the information, it will give you a better background of what we're talking about today. We really enjoyed talking to her because her approach to the 800 gram challenge is something we can really get behind. And you'll see why in this episode. So just a little bit about EC. She runs Optimize Me Nutrition and she runs the 800 gram challenge, which I think a lot of you have probably seen out there in the social media world. It is a really great approach to improving your health. And we just love this approach for a lot of reasons. Uh, It's really not steeped in the pressure diet culture world that we often see and kind of get tangled up in. So we really love what she's doing and how she's taking this approach to help everyone improve their health. And as you know, there's a lot of information out there in social media. Claire and I are talking about this all the time. We just really want to do a better job on this podcast, and we want to be more intentional about bringing people on the show who have data to back up what they're talking about. So you'll be seeing more of that on our show as we move forward with interviews especially. So a little bit about EC, she has an extensive education in the life sciences. She has a BS in biochemical engineering. She has a master's degree in environmental sciences with a focus in genetics, and she also has a master's degree in nutrition and functional medicine. She's trained others since the year 2000 and holds the certified CrossFit Level 4 coach credential. Her professional experience includes working as a program manager for CrossFit Inc., authoring their training course materials, and serving as a subject matter expert for their certifications. She has accumulated more than 600 hours of public speaking, teaching fitness and nutrition all over the world, including at Ignite in Boulder, Colorado. With more than 20 years of experience and academic training, she seamlessly translates the evidence-based scientific data into practical solutions for everyday success. Boom. We love that. Thank you for supporting our show over the years. We love you for listening. And if you're a new listener, welcome. Welcome to the show. Do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Share with your friend. Join our community on social media. We are girlsgonewadpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook at Girls Gone Wad Podcast. We are on Instagram, Joy and Claire underscore. Send us a message. We love hearing from you. Send us an email girlsgonewad at gmail.com, girlsgonewad at gmail.com. Here's the show. Okay, so let's get started. Tell us about the talk you did last night at CrossFit Roots, what -hmm. you covered, and um, yeah, just I I really have a personal interest in this, so I want you to kind of give an update of what you covered and why this is a topic for you right now. Yeah, it actually kind of came to be because both Nicole Christensen, the owner of CrossFit Roots, and I had been getting a bunch of questions from people 40s and up just kind of discussing that the challenge with diet and exercise had seemed to become increasingly very difficult. And we said, well, why don't we just talk about it directly? (laughs) So that's what we did. Um, Last night, I talked, you know, a little bit more specifically about what's happening on the physiology level. Um, And yes, it is true. As you get older, your the need for calories comes down and the declining hormones make kind of your return on investment, as I explained a little bit 
a little bit worse, um, especially when we're talking about kind of exercise. So it does get a little bit harder. And then Nicole kind of tackled more of the uh, the application there with training at CrossFit Roots. So the title of it was Outsmarting the Aging Process, How to Prevent Weight Gain After 40. And so I think the I mean, I think about this a lot because I'm 42 and I, I just, I've always been healthy. I've always been physically fit. So I think the assumption is like one day you're just going to wake up and all your hormones are going to go nuts. But can you talk <laughs> a little bit more about how this differs for each woman and what we can be looking for? Yeah. Yeah. And for women, it's definitely a little bit more drastic. Or as I said last night, it's a little bit more like a cliff um, than men. Men kind of have this potential decline of testosterone. Not all men experience. And it's like this nice 40 year gradual shift after the age of 40. Women, um, they experience some definitely, they're going to experience the drop off of estrogen and it does tend to happen the last year or two of perimenopause. So a lot of times women will talk about, you know, it sort of felt like it happened overnight and it did in relative kind of terms of your life. Right. So there is more of a little bit drastic shift, but the weight gain issue isn't so much about the hormonal shifts and still comes down to some basic concepts that we know where you're eating more, eating more food essentially than your body needs. It's just that your body also needs less food as you get older. So that's what becomes an increasing challenge as well. So what were the main uh, points if you could run through uh, the talk and what you feel is the most important that people need to know right now? Yeah, I think one of the things is just recognizing that's going to happen. So if you continue to do the things you've always done, it, it doesn't really work the same anymore. And people will say that, like the things that I used to do, you know, they just don't seem to be working. And it's like, exactly. <laughs> You're going to have to change your strategies a little bit. But that that is also the good news because we can change what we're doing. And so what that means is, one, yes, the diet tends to need to get a little bit tighter. You know, we can't just sort of wing it as much as we might may have been able to pull off when we were younger. Is this kind and of then, like comparing it to, sorry to interrupt you, but kind of no, comparing sorry. it to like, oh, we could just eat whatever in high school and in our 20s. And we just, you know, <laughs> kind of rebounded like like champs. And then 30s are kind of just coasting. Is that kind of how mm-hmm. it is when your 40s are kind of like, all right, we re- really, really need to pay attention. Like you really totally. need to get down to business. <laughs> totally. And I, th- I think some people, and Nicole brought this up about her husband, Eric, Um, but we were, you know, also talking about drinking wine and stuff like that at night. And it's like, yeah, as you get older, sometimes you give that up because it's just the payoff. You can't do it anymore where you could have had half a bottle of wine when you're 20 and still crush the workout the next morning. Um, so yeah, it, it is sort of that whole process. Um, so yeah, things need to get a little bit tighter. I think what people also forget is you do have a natural loss of muscle mass as you age. That's called sarcopenia. And that's one of the big reasons why your caloric needs, needs come down. Um, and it's also another reason why you don't get the same return on investment because you have less muscle mass to push during workouts. So it's kind of this cycle that kind of keeps, you know, reducing your caloric spend. So the real big message there is, yeah, diet needs to get a little bit tighter. And then with your workouts to really make sure you're still including strength training and some high intensity work. And what we tend to see as people get over older, especially women, as they really move away from that stuff. And it doesn't mean you can't do the things that you enjoy, but it does mean that we need to really make sure that strength training and building and sustaining muscle mass is in that program. So I think I always get confused by this. And I think we will dive into this a little bit later about like emotions and eating and that topic that we that post that we kind of had a brief encounter right. on is I whenever I hear about this too, I just want to make sure we're clear about like, we're just talking about being healthy. We're not talking about you have to look a certain way. I think we're really mm-hmm. just talking about um, being at a weight that feels good for you, you know, so like, totally. I want to continue to be able to move and feel good in my body through my 50s, 60s, 70s. So if I'm if my body if I'm doing everything the same, and my body is putting on weight, and it's just not 
I can't explain it, then I think that's something that I really would be more inclined to look at to be like, oh, what's mm-hmm. going on here? Because something my body's telling me something as opposed to being like, I don't want to gain all this weight. I just okay. want to be very clear about that messaging because I'm well, and I, a I think too, that. it's like, that's the difference also between like, okay, you know, don't get, we don't want to be like 50 and flabby or like whatever, you know, the headline mm-hmm. is the OSC, but like, Hey, your body does change as you get older. And these are the changes that you can expect. Like, this is the science behind it. We're not telling you like, you got to eat less if you don't want to put on that weight. We are, but we are telling you, Hey, the science says you, right. Your body needs less food as you get older. Right. Yeah. And I, I really don't like always pushing a quantity message because I don't want people to think that I'm trying to promote an aesthetic standard. But the science is also pretty clear that excess weight does run a health, higher health risk. And this is true with all of our chronic diseases, including some cancers. There's tons of conditions that are associated with this. So maintaining a healthy weight, of course, that doesn't mean six pack abs. That doesn't mean, you know, 10% body fat for women or anything like that kind of extreme. But, you know, this idea of not putting on weight isn't just about aesthetics. There really are health com- health outcomes associated with it. So my last question on this is you talked a little bit about like, okay, if you're doing the same thing and you're not, if you're gaining weight, I think the inclination for a lot of people is to do more cardio. And mm-hmm. you're saying, no, can you explain your <laughs> point on that? Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to that kind of the natural muscle mass loss that we have just from aging, kind of this accumulated wear and tear over time, we lose some muscle mass. And so we're really trying to fight that because that is our only, not only, but our biggest way that we can control kind of how many calories that we need coming in. And so if we're losing that resource or that reservoir, we want to combat that. And we do that with strength training. And and what's interesting too, I think sometimes people always think strength training needs to be with a barbell, but you know, strongman stuff that I do with sleds all the time. That's a great way. And even strict gymnastics work. You know, if, if women don't have multiple strict pull-ups, they've got a great idea for a strength program to start tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Also I'm thinking is this relates to me personally, as I get older in age, there's things that I'm like, wow, I really am feeling more sore. I don't rebound as fast. Again, I am not saying I'm old. I'm just saying your body doesn't act the same as it was Mm -hmm. when it was 20 and your mind is 20 (laughs) or 25, but your body's 42. And so there's mornings where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I am so stiff. Like, why Mm -hmm. am I so stiff? Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't even work out for the past four days or whatever, you know? And so like, there's kind of like, I don't even have to get, yeah. Like, like what you were saying earlier, Joy, about like the wine thing. Like, I don't even have to get drunk anymore to be hungover. Oh, like my body. Yeah, like one glass of wine and I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, that's, I'm done. I wake up the next morning and I'm like, no, so, surely not. <laughs> yeah. And so I, it's, yeah. And so I think there's kind of like this, I don't want to over dramatize this, but I do feel there's times where I'm like, oh man, like you kind of, or mourning the loss of like what your body used to be able to do so quickly Um, or just, you know, you didn't have to worry about drinking an extra glass of wine or you didn't have to worry about, you know, running that mile and feeling sore, you know, whatever the case may Mm -hmm. be. Right. There's kind of like that, um, just the natural aging process of like, okay, what else, what's next year going to feel like? And I think there's like that unknown that feels really just the emotional piece of it is kind of hard to swallow sometimes. Nicole brought up a really great point that I'd like to reiterate too. It's almost reversed to what happens for a lot of us in life. Like typically as we get older, a lot of things get easier just because we now have some wisdom and experience to bring to either our career or family and all of this stuff. And it just turns out diet and exercise actually is the reverse. It gets harder to kind of see the same results. And I think just knowing that and and kind of (laughs) expecting that can help with the process too. That's such a good point. I love that you said that too, because knowledge and maturity and life experience is such a cool thing to experience later in life where you're like, 
I just, that whole, I don't give enough mentality because you're just older and wiser. Um, Mm -hmm. But this is really a good point about how you have to just pay attention to that. And I think it's important too for longevity and us wanting to live a long, healthy life and be like Claire's grandparents. So yes. Okay. Um, so thank you for covering that. Okay, so let's jump over to your uh, free the consistency project, which is free. Yeah. And so talk about that. Yeah. So I launched that. I think it's two weeks now, um, and it's kind of this free community project for nutrition where people just log every day on four basic factors. Of course, the 800 gram challenge is in there. Yeah. Give then- the listeners who maybe don't know about your 800 gram challenges. Mm-hmm a quick rundown of sure. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's to eat the 800 grams by weight of fruits and vegetables each day. And there's, there's no other restrictions on the diet. So it's just making sure you get that healthy dose of daily fruits and veggies. So the consistency project is whether or not you did that, whether or not you hit a protein target, um, that's a relatively conservative protein target, whether or not you exercise and you get to choose kind of your, what you consider exercise. And then if you slept enough, which is essentially over seven hours. And the idea here is like, let's really get consistent on these things that are really important because I, you know, I get a lot of questions about nutrition and sometimes, you know, it might be about a supplement or it might be about a protein shake, but yet people don't necessarily have even a consistent intake or they don't even have a consistent level of quality. And it's like, hey, let's get real good on this stuff because this is where we're going to see the results, you know? Oh my gosh. We talk about that all the time where it's like, people will be like, oh, I got my heart rate variability tested or like, you know, I always throw heart rate variability under the bus because I just think it's hilarious, but you know, whatever it may be. And then, and it's like, cool, how much sleep did you get last Mm -hmm. night? Or Mm -hmm. like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about switching like the brand of collagen that I'm taking, like, okay like have you had any food that didn't come out of a wrapper today like let's grab these low-hanging fruits no pun intended prior to you know like yeah sure there are some people out there who could benefit from having like their blood plasma spun around in like a you know cryo chamber and then put back in their bodies but like for the most of us for most of us it's more just about like hey did you finish your water bottle today like you were planning to right yeah. And, and the other thing that I see, and I don't, I don't want to speak against any apps per se, because I think there's value in a lot of different programs out there for sure. But sometimes people also want to take all this data on their diet. And, and really in hindsight, we don't necessarily need to know that I did exactly 25 pull-ups last week and 10 this week or whatever, or that I ate kale on Tuesday and blueberries on Thursday. I just need to know that I exercised and I ate well, right? So sometimes I think there's a little bit of paralysis by analysis, worrying about all of the data when really hitting a minimum standard is good enough. And then worrying about the details doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think people can really get hung up on that too. Is there anything that you've, I mean, how long have you been doing the 800 gram challenge? Myself? um, No, just like, when did you start it? Yeah, like when did you, not you doing it yourself, but like, when did you start the 800 gram challenge for for the masses? For the masses, yeah, uh, January 2018. Okay, so So not too long. Yeah, getting close to two years. So I'm always interested to know how people evolve their programs and what you've maybe dialed, I hate saying dialed in, but what you have (laughs) modified, or I'm not saying dialed in is it like make it strict, but what have you adjusted or, you know, it's kind of like if you learn something new that you've changed, What are the things that have changed since then? You know, to be honest with the 800 gram challenge, I haven't changed much, you know, maybe just a little bit more education around it for people. But I have added on this idea of then hitting the protein target. And that's kind of what I've called this lazy macros approach. That's what I was going to say is like, you've really done a lot of, okay, 
context with the 800-gram challenge and how you implement this. And so I talk a little bit about that too, the lazy macros, because yeah. I really, I love, I love when you post stuff <laughs> about that. Because I, I think the last time we had you on, you were talking about how you, you're not like a big person in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, no. neither am I. I'm the same <laughs> as you. So I love when you do the lazy macros post. I'm like, oh, I can visually wrap my head around that. <laughs> It's so like when I say I'm going to post what I eat, I'm always like, oh, my God, these people must think I'm like in college because it's like one step above college eating. In terms but it's of good. Like there's so many people out there that aren't like super. I mean, I just yeah, I mean, I could go on forever about that. It's just like I it's just not interesting right. to me. But um, and just to be clear for listeners, I'm not counting macros. I'm just saying like it, the visual piece of it is like, oh, I can wrap my head around what that looks like. Yeah. So lazy macros was just, you know, keep the 800 gram challenge. But then especially, of course, because, you know, I have, uh, I'm involved with the greater CrossFit community, you know, we do have some needs, some protein needs. And also from this kind of longevity and preventing muscle mass loss, there is some interest to have some protein there as well. Um, and so that's why I tack that on, but it's the same sort of idea as the 800 gram challenge and that we're, we're trying to hit these minimum standards of the fruit and veggies and the protein, but we're not necessarily weighing and measuring anything. And we're not necessarily restricting anything. So it's kind of like two guideposts, or you could say checkpoints, to kind of keep quantity generally under control at a level of effort that I think is reasonable. Right. Okay. It kind of, I just, when you said that, I imagined a bowling alley with the little bumpers <laughs> on the side. So you don't have to, right. so you don't get a gutter ball. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, so don't, don't pull a gutter ball with your food. Well, I think that's so helpful too, because it's like, I feel like, we always talk about, we always talk about macros as like, Hey, this actually can be a really helpful tool for some people. If you can do it in a healthy way and you can, can allow yourself to only do it for a short period of time. But for so many people, it becomes an issue when they try to step away from macros and Mm -hmm. find that they have a ton of anxiety around their food choices and around like this thought of, you know, being let loose in the world, like a kid in the candy store and it's all or nothing. Like either they're bringing their food scale out to dinner with them or they're, you know, eating a cake by themselves at home every night in their bed. And so I think that this is a great way to think about it of like, hey, we're like, this is kind of an in-between of there's still some parameters here, mm-hmm. but at the same time, this is something that you can just do kind of as you're moving through your day. Yeah, and I have right. to say, I, I, did, I did the 800 gram challenge, what, like two months ago now? Oh, cool. And I loved it. Awesome. Well, you were doing uh, the 800 gram peach challenge, right? (laughs) uh, Pretty much. Yes. Highly recommend doing the 800 gram challenge in August because all of the best food is available. It was like mid July to mid August. I literally, there were days where like four or 500 grams of my thing would be peaches. I was like, this is awesome. awesome. I'm so glad that I like, am not afraid of fruit anymore. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. That's great. Okay. So this kind of ties into the next topic that I want to talk about, which is the post that you did around relationships are with people, not food. And I commented on this. I'm like, I have thoughts and I love this discussion. (laughs) So let me really quick read the post to the listeners in case you didn't see it, but you can also always go to her Instagram account, which is optimize me nutrition. The photo is just a um, text that says relationships are with people, not food. Um, And you write, I don't have a relationship, quote unquote, relationship with sleep, exercise, stress, etc. So why do I need one with food. Um, in my opinion, I don't. Wait, what'd you say? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think I, I do. Think I okay, do, right? okay. In my opinion, I don't think I do. I do have a relationship with myself, though. There's so much media about your relationship with food that I think it's actually harmful. It becomes a way to sidestep or displace feelings, consciously or unconsciously, that are usually a relationship to self-issue. If you are constantly struggling with a food relationship, I strongly recommend you do not seek out another nutrition coach. I am not a mental health professional, but I do know no amount of macros, meal plans, intermittent fasting or whatever diet. 
diet du jour will help. So talk about that of how you're trying yeah. trying to drive a wedge with um, relationship with food and people in a relationship with food. Yeah, feelings and food. Yeah, yeah. I see. I just see it a lot. And in fact, I've actually had you know potential clients who I've talked to, and mm-hmm. I've I've recommended that they don't work with me because yeah, I think I think food is a really easy scapegoat, and I think it's a place that we can be like, oh, I just need to work on my diet. And then maybe we try macros and then we have these obsessive tendencies where I'm not good enough and all of this stuff. And it's like, it's not the diet's issue. Like the physiology of macros work, you know, or the physiology of intermittent fasting done correctly can work. So if we have all these negative associations about dieting, to me, it's just comes back to self-worth and self-love and that you're trying to prove your self-worth and self-love by fitting into some aesthetic standard, which, you know, I, no matter how few rules I give you, I can't fix that issue with nutrition, right? And so I, I, I want people to have progress. I just think sometimes they're using the wrong tool um, for the job. I think they need to go to somebody, you know, who's qualified to deal with them, and which is not me. <laughs> right, which I love that you brought that up too, because it is something that I think so, we see it all the time, and I could talk for hours on this, but I won't. People are going to solve the issue with nutrition, but it probably, all of a sudden, you're hearing this, like, these side comments about their body and their self-worth and those you just cannot untangle with Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Right. And nor is it your job. So I think it's a good point for people to focus on. But I also think that Claire and I talk about this a lot too. It's just like, it's just not black and white. Like people could easily do the 800 gram challenge or count macros and really just have no issue with it at all. Mm -hmm. But I think what we see too much of is there's a tendency, especially for women, just in my, just what, from what I witness and know, there's a tendency for women to take it to the place of self-worth and Mm -hmm. aesthetics and Mm -hmm. quote unquote diets and, you know, you know, feeding into that whole mentality. So I think that the more discussion we have around this, the better, but I think it's, it can be a slippery slope, but I also know that it's really helpful for people. And I will always, I'll take it to my grave. When I counted macros, the best thing I learned was that I learned about food and I will never yeah. regret that because while there were other issues that came up that I dealt with, it was like, I'm really glad that I learned so much about food because I had, I was just not at all paying attention. And as I get older, as we discussed earlier, I think that's really important for me to have that knowledge going into aging and taking care of my body. But I just think there's a lot that people, it's like this Pandora's box. They come to you for nutrition and all of a sudden they're like not sleeping because they're worried about how many, you know, if they went over their macros or whatever that day. Yeah. And I'm sure you see that a lot. So I I kind of like, I kind of like feel for dietitians and nutritionists (laughs) because I'm like, oh, you just, you just kind of get this like load of, of emotions that come along with food. Right. And one of the reasons that I'm so pro macros, and again, I I think, you know, I don't, I don't do it myself all the time. I don't think people need to do it all the time. But one of the reasons I'm so pro macros is because I really do believe that our modern food environment is not natural. You know, this idea that we shouldn't have to weigh in and measure our food works really well when we're talking about chicken and strawberries. For (laughs) sure. For sure. And I, that's such a good point. That's a really good point. Like we are in a setting that is really not setting us up for success. Totally. And so that's why I'm so into it because people think, oh yeah, I eat clean. And it's like, until you really look at it, especially given our affluence and the amount of holidays we have and parties and all this stuff, it's really hard to understand kind of what's happening. And so when I see people that, um, and it's true with my clients too, that really don't want to weigh and measure and they really don't like that. I don't want to say that that's bad, but to me that means, like, I don't say it means that, but I, I sometimes think that that's where we can start to see, okay, there might be some self issues here that I can't solve with the physiology. Right. Um, and so that's when I'm like, okay, I want you to work with somebody else because I want you to be successful. And I don't, no matter what I throw at you, it's not going to be the right tool. 
Right. Yeah. Because, and would you, how, what's the percentage that you feel are people that are really kind of needing to work out more than just working on food? Like the, like the black and white food is just food. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I don't know, but you know, I've just finished up with another client and he was just like, this was great. I had no idea. I learned all this stuff, you know, and it wasn't like, (laughs) it wasn't like it went into the emotional side at all, you know? So, so I don't know. I, that's a great question. I wouldn't even know where to guess. I, I know that women suffer with it more. And I just think that, yeah, I want them to work on that issue and, and not come to me about, you know, should I skip my breakfast and intermittent fasting? It's like, oh gosh, go talk about something with somebody else, right? It's yeah. I mean, I I just really appreciate your stance too of kind of making it very science-based and fact-based and being like I think when we use the language around food like that that we take the emotions out of it is like we mm-hmm. don't, you know, this is just how it is. Like we're mm-hmm. we're not trying to make it good or bad. We're not trying to say there's good foods and bad foods like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the Warrior Clinic where they're like there's foods that are that she Dr. Shaka uses in mm-hmm. her family that's like these are growing foods. Like I, I mm. kind of like that because it's just like, yeah, <laughs> I think we can right. all agree that a Snickers bar is probably not going to like be the best for your system long-term. <laughs> like if you had a Snickers, I think about, I used to eat a Snickers bar every day in high school, by the way. Um, wow. <laughs> and I turned out okay. No, yeah. but I mean, just like, again, there's an example of like being 16 and being able to just bounce on back. But I just think that objectively, we can all agree that that is just not a food that's going to nourish us. And it's not a quote, yeah. unquote growing food. But I just love that you're taking that stance of just being the, I think there's such value in education around food and nourishing our bodies. But I think it's really important for people also to notice that when you're using this as a tool to look at your self worth, or whether you were good or bad that day, then we're kind of having a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, I've seen a lot of stuff, you know, that's like calories don't matter and you shouldn't care about calories. And again, to me, it's totally a disservice. I mean, I just see we have this chronic, this massive chronic disease epidemic. I mean, we have over $60 billion spent in diet and weight loss industry and 70% of US adults are either overweight or obese. So like, the system is not working when we have a massive health issue here and telling people that calories don't matter, especially when we know it's mostly processed carbs and fat. It's like, what are we doing? I mean, don't put yourself worth with your size. Of course, don't do that at all. But we have to understand the physiology. And yes, the calories do matter. Yeah. And Claire and I, I think Claire brought this up um, a couple weeks ago too. Just like we, it is a problem. And this is something that we shouldn't just completely be like, we can't all of a sudden say that diets are completely out the window. I think there's a lot of talk on social media lately that we can't even, it's kind of like that. Um, everyone gets a, what did you say, Claire? Like everyone gets a soccer trophy. Oh, like, yeah, like all, all the foods, like it feels all like the foods get a trophy food, because, yeah, because right, it's like, it's like a participation award. Yeah. Because like, we're all good. Like we're, we are all doing a good job and it's like, right. you know, yeah, actually like, so I think, I think not. because of that movement too, which I appreciate the message. I appreciate that we don't want to shame and we don't want to feel bad, yep. but at the same time, we're, then all of a sudden everyone gets a participation ribbon when really Snickers bars aren't really like they're delicious, but they're not going to make, make you feel fueled and nourished. Um, totally. and I'm just using that as myself for an example, but, um, <laughs> like I, I see that now and I really appreciate that because we do get a lot of listeners who have zero emotional ties to food in that, in the sense of like that self-worth piece. And that's great. I'm like, great. That's wonderful for you. The reason I get more passionate about the emotional piece is obviously I'm a therapist and I obviously yeah. I see this so much with, with people um, struggling with it. And whenever we put a, you know, call out for questions about it, we get hundreds and hundreds of questions. So 
I just, I don't know. I just think yeah. it's a really interesting topic, but I also don't agree that we should all of a sudden just make all foods this participation ribbon mentality because it's not, it's just not true. Like you, you right. see that it's just not true. Yeah. And I mean, kind of just tying onto that post that I said too, it's like, we often just turn to our nutrition, but like I said, do we do the same thing with sleep? Like if you have crappy sleep, do you start beating yourself up about that? So I don't know. I think nutrition becomes kind of a scapegoat and it's just, Hey, take a second and maybe you can get greater success by trying a different avenue. Yeah. And it is though, because we have that emotional, completely different emotional response to sleep versus, versus food. I mean, we do, but like, I love like thinking about it that way and comparing it to other things that are like just as important for our bodies, but that we don't, I mean, granted sleep doesn't have the same like cultural significance as as food do. But if we are just taking that out of it and looking at it purely as like, oh, I, you know, the, the, the line everyone gives is like, oh, I just want to be healthy. Like, well, if you're not feeling guilty and like feeling like this, you know, says something about you, your morality as a person, because like you stayed up and watched a couple extra episodes of Netflix instead of going to bed last night, then you also shouldn't have a similar response because you, you know, went out to lunch and decided to get loaded potato skins instead of, you know, whatever. Correct. Totally. Yeah. I get that. I get that, but I also know it's easier said than done because food is a, such a tie to right. It's not apples a million. Apples, but yeah, it would million be nice different. If we could make it yeah, I wish apples. we could, but that's just not the case. Okay, so what? I'm eight hundred grams of apples. Every oh, we're doing really well on the food puns here, Claire. You're just you're knocking them out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to come up, with a, come up with a food pun for how good I was doing, but I couldn't. <laughs> I want to revisit really quick carbs because. The, the keto diet made a comeback, which was just silly to me. But I want to know your stance on just all the, can we just eat all the whole foods that come out of the ground and call it a day? Yes. Okay, great. Yes. Do okay. it. Okay, that's, I just want to clear that. <laughs> what do you, where's your stance on, I guess, like the trendy diets, paleo, vegan, keto, whatever else, Mediterranean? Like, yeah. Are you just like, just. Can we all just the eat all the foods? Diet. Yeah, the carnivore <laughs> diets, the fill in the blank diets. Where where do you stand when you see that? Yeah, it kind of just comes back to these principles that you know a certain amount of food affects your weight, and a certain quality of food affects your health, and and all these different trends just sort of slice and dice those ideas in hundreds of different ways. And you know, to be perfectly honest, if I if and I'm because I'm so big on it, especially right now, like we just have to appreciate any progress that's away from chronic disease. That if if somebody really wants or does well on whatever those ones that you named, I'm, I'm still for it. You know what I mean? Like, do I think that the physiology is always the most optimal on all of those? No. And can it be implemented and not so great? No. But if we're trending away from chronic disease and we have a better health outcome, I think they're great. Easy enough. I think that is a great answer. I also think that like, I love how straightforward, I feel like this is going to come sound so stupid when I say it as already as it's coming out of my mouth, but I just love how like simple these answers are because it's like, yeah, you're right. You know, who cares if you're doing like keto or paleo or the carnivore diet or whatever, like if you're trending away from, if your body's getting healthier because of it, good for you. And if you can, and especially if your body is getting healthier because of it and your mind isn't going down with the ship, mm-hmm. then good for you. Right. You yeah. Know, keto yeah. If that's what it's going to do, if that's what it takes. I feel that way about CrossFit too. And it's like, you know, I feel like most people who started out as like super gung-ho CrossFitters have now come to the point where it's like, hey, listen, I believe in CrossFit because it's what I like. But like, if that's not what, if that's not your thing, if you want to go do like aerial silks, then go do aerial silks. If that's what, you know, lights you up and it's something that you can get into and something that, you know, makes you feel alive when you do it every day. Totally. No, it's, it's, 
anything that pushes people towards more activity and an overall less processed diet, I am for it. You know, and do I love the 800 gram challenge and its simplicity? Of course. Yeah. If, if someone else loves veganism and they're doing great with it, keep on keeping on. Yeah. I think about my diet and how I eat a lot of, I just eat a lot of like natural carbs, but I'm still inundated with the no carbs on social media or whatever. Mm. <laughs> or I mean, vilifying carbs or whatever. You just see stuff sure. where it's like, carbs are bad. And we just had our blood tested by the warrior clinic. Oh, right. And uh, which they're so great, by the way, they were they were laughing because like, Joy, you're you're they they came back to me and they're like, your tests were so good that like it blew up the scales. Like, (laughs) like, we couldn't even find your score because your scores were so good. And there's just for me, I was like, see, like, I'm just doing fine because I'm listening to what my body needs. And that is just a really important reminder that you can be inundated with all this information. But if it just goes back to basics, you keep it pretty simple. You try to live a healthy, healthy life. Claire's grandparents, I swear, everything comes back to back to Claire's <laughs> grandparents. Just, I know. How, how old are they? Yep. They're old. They're like, I think my grandpa's 92. My grandma's like 88 or 89. And they're awesome. both like, yeah, we talk about them all the time on the podcast because they're just like the picture of just keep it simple and don't yeah, overthink like keep it your, simple like, and don't overthink it yeah. yeah like they go to the fitness center every day my grandma walks on the track my grandpa like does his little weightlifting thing and they've been doing that every day for the last you know 50 years and like they shop they get their groceries at walmart they live off of social security they live in like kind of the middle of no like rural arkansas but they make everything that they eat at home like yeah they're eating margarine or whatever like their their diet by no stretch of the imagination is quote unquote clean, but it's all homemade. Yeah. They get vegetables and everything with every meal. They like move every day. They're a big part of their community and they're doing great. I mean, you know, like my grandpa's pretty deaf, but apart from that, they're both really That's super awesome. healthy. And yeah, it's, yeah we, we always use them as an example because it's like, are they eating, you know, keto or whatever? No, like they ate fondue in the seventies, just like everyone else. And they, you know, did, but like, they just don't make it complicated. Yeah. So I think the one thing I want to talk about really quick, uh, you see, and then we can move on, is how what I'm seeing now is this trend of kind of like ditch the diets and don't Mm -hmm. even focus on that where I don't necessarily agree with that either because Mm -hmm. I think the truth lands somewhere in the middle. And so we can't just all of a sudden be like, dieting is bad. I think what happened is obviously dieting and aesthetics was pushed so hard that everyone was kind of like, Oh my gosh, what's going on. Mm -hmm. And now we're kind of like, let's just ditch all that everybody just you do you and I'm like, and there's also like a middle ground here. So Mm -hmm. I think I just want to reiterate that I appreciate your stance on that. Because I think facts are really important. And I think our health really, really relies on that too. And it's, it's to our benefit to get all of that information and not completely throw out the quote unquote diet mentality. Like this isn't diet mentality. Like we eat a diet, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I just, it's still important to treat our bodies well that way. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, and I need to do a, a post on it, but there's somebody, uh, his name is Dr. Bruce Ames, famous researcher. And he has something called the triage theory, which basically he links chronic diseases to micronutrient deficiency. So in the short term, your body does what it can do to stay healthy, but then in the long term, it suffers. And I think that's some of the stuff that we're fighting too. It's like people are like, well, I'm either thin or my health markers are doing great right now. Why do I need to keep eating healthy? And it's like, yeah, because we see these things show up when you're 60 or whatever the age is, right? And so that is why I'm pretty strong still on you know, keeping quality and quantity in check, not to an obsessive level. But yeah, we have some principles here that we do have to kind of be our guides or checkpoints. Yeah. Okay, so let's move to your course in early November. Tell the listeners yeah. what it's about. 
Yeah, totally. I'm hoping to launch early November and it's going to be a two-part course. The first half is going to be my 10 principles of nutrition, kind of the things just to understand as the backdrop to nutrition. And then the second half is going to be more of an eight-week kind of diet boot camp, kind of what I take my one-on-one clients through. Um, And it's really, again, from that education point of view of, hey, let's just really assess what's going on in the diet. And then you get to decide you know, how you want to move forward with your diet. And did you design it based off of everything that you've been seeing? Or where did you kind of get this inspiration from? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have always liked this education angle. So doing Mm -hmm. a more comprehensive course, and I have people, you know, asking me frequently, which courses um, they should take. So hopefully soon, I can say mine. But um, yeah, it's it's I've had this idea of principles of nutrition for a while, because I think as I kind of mentioned before, you know, with the quality and the quantity, we have some underlying principles that then get spun in a lot of different ways in terms of how people apply them. And so if you understand the principles, then hopefully it starts to bring some clarity to what you choose to do. But then I did want to have an application piece. I didn't want it to just be all theory, kind of more of the how-to and how I would kind of walk somebody through applying this in their day-to-day. So I wanted that both halves. So if someone wants to do this, one question would be kind of what level should they be at? Is it someone who knows a lot about their diet and their exercise program? Is it someone who's like brand new? Like where? how do you work mm-hmm. with everyone kind of on that spectrum? Yeah, I, I think it's somebody who doesn't necessarily have a ton of background, but they've mm-hmm. probably either been reading or doing some dabbling in some other diets. You know, it's probably not their first diet. They're probably not coming straight from standard American, but maybe they're familiar a little bit with paleo or keto or something that they've done. You know, I would even describe it a lot in the kind of the greater functional fitness CrossFit community is probably a great audience. I want to talk a little bit about males versus females as it relates Mm. to diet and exercise. Is it something that you, I don't know, I feel like there's times where the messaging out there is kind of like for everyone is the 800 gram challenge something that is for everyone? Do you feel like females have to focus on something different than males? Like, what is your stance on the different genders? You know, it's interesting. There, There is a researcher that I follow, and she's very big on women are not small men. And I think that's a great point. And I think it's important to understand that the is that hormonal Dr. cycle. Stacey Sims? Yes. I love correct. her. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, it's awesome stuff. And yeah, women are not small men. And a lot of the research that we've been exposed to are just about men. And it's just to get around the complications of looking at a hormonal cycle like the females. So we have to appreciate that. But I also think that some basic trends will still be there. You know, we can't get away from a baseline level of quality for our, um, we can't get away from a baseline level of protein, especially once we're talking about some athletic endeavors and preventing sarcopenia. So I still think there's some trends that apply to both. And, uh, you know, and so I don't focus too much on male versus female per se, in the sense of making those broad kind of recommendations. But then, of course, sure. working one-on-one, size, activity, age. Yeah, these start these, these things start to factor in a little bit more on the, the real specifics. And when it comes to females with hormones, I feel like one thing that we're constantly, and I don't know, are we, I was like, is it, are we over being oversold this idea or not that like one wrong step and we're going to wreck our hormones? Yeah, that's yeah. the fear. <laughs> I would say the body is pretty resilient. I do think there are times when it's going to be harder for the female to achieve certain things. You know, even just muscle mass is a great example of that, or even training at high intensity is a great example of that. And that's okay. Like, just know that, you know, you might not have the same outcomes as a man, but but hopefully that's kind of well understood at the outset, right? But yeah, I mean, like one wrong step is not going to just throw everything out the window. No. That's good to know. I just feel I feel like, like that's like the big, like that... That and also the like, oh, you're going to 
ruin your metabolism. Right. Right. That's oh, like yeah. the other. What's the like, ruin your metabolism yeah, thing? That's, I would say those are the two biggest, like, are they myths? I don't know. The two biggest, like, little th- red flags I always have to go up and I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to ruin my metabolism. <laughs> I don't want to, like, ruin my hormones. Like, also, I'm postpartum. Like, my hormones are a shit show. Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> to mess with, but I'm still like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the body's really resilient in a lot of ways. I mean, we can't eat crap forever type of resilience, right. but it's really resilient in a lot of ways. I think people but, need um, to be reminded of that, by the way. Like, the yeah. body is so freaking smart. It is yeah. so smart. It's it's kind of amazing. I, I actually, there was a quote uh, Kelly Starrett said to me years ago, and I actually was just talking to him about it, and it, it really kind of guided some of the stuff for me in nutrition, but he just said to me, the body's not that sensitive. And I just... And I liked it because at the time I was obsessing about, you know, which exact food is perfect for me at all times. And he's like, yeah, the body's not that sensitive. And I was like, you know, well noted. Um, But yeah, to get back to your question about the ruining of the metabolism thing. Yeah. So you, so that's the other thing too. People automatically assume that a slower metabolism is always bad. It's, it's not just slowing down. Um, but that has to happen over kind of chronic long term, And you, and you can also recover out of that too. So like a day isn't going to do it. Your body is not that sensitive that just like a day of wrong eating or a day of under eating is just going to throw your cortisol out of whack and then you're storing fat. Like it just gets a little bit extreme that sometimes I think we're, we're worrying about things that, that really don't play out quite like they, they think they might. It's good to hear because I worry <laughs> about that all the time. I mean, these are the things that you, know. you like read about and you're like, oh my gosh, what if that's me? And you just kind of right. have to like well, not read the like- news. <laughs> This is all like the crap that like I took in before I knew that I needed to be filtering stuff from like mag like literal magazines when people still li- read physical magazines like when I was in high school and college and I was sitting there thinking like oh my gosh like you have to eat first thing in the morning otherwise your metabolism doesn't get started and then like you have to keep your metabolism going all day and like your metabolism is like this little like this little toddler who like at, at, at any moment could just crash and never come back. Yep. Yeah, no, thankfully, thankfully, biology is pretty, pretty robust. So it's doing a good job for the most part. You know, again, extremes, then we're going to probably push ourselves in some directions. But it's just, I just don't see that playing out that much. You know, you skip a meal or two, like you're going to be okay, you know? Yes. Did you hear that, everybody? You're going to be just (laughs) fine. You're going to be just fine. Okay. Tell us about your TEDx talk. This is so exciting. And it's it's like a dream of mine to do a TEDx talk. So tell us all about it. Well, you should do it. Um, so yeah, TEDx in about a month, actually, almost a month from today. And like, Boulder, how do you and- get signed up for something like that? Like, do you submit a talk? Yeah. Like, do you have to know people? Yeah, you submit a talk, and um, you know they review it. They they have told us a couple times that they they pick us for us and less for the talk in the sense of they do want us to really make it be the talk that we want. So if we change it from our original idea, that's okay, which is comforting to know. So yeah, you apply. And then now we're in the process. It's kind of five weeks leading up to it. And they've got some amazing coaches that kind of help you through the process and give you feedback and practice. And then you give it. (laughs) I'm trying to do uh, simplifying nutrition, which probably doesn't come much as a surprise, you know, kind of pointing out, I think some pain points that we have in our diet industry, you know, I made that, I quoted that stat earlier, $60 billion in diet and weight loss industry. And yet, you know, we continue to have uh, weight issues in the country. Um, And so yeah, what are some of the pain points? And it's not just from maybe a physiology standpoint, but I also want to bring in kind of the sustainability, you know, these rules that you know, three years, uh, three years later, even three months later, don't really work out. So hopefully trying to present nutrition in a simplified way. 
And do you get like 20 minutes? Is it really true that you're like on a clock? Um, actually these are much shorter. So I think the average one for TEDx is about eight minutes at TEDx Boulder. Um, each of the TEDx's they run independently. So what I've been told is it's about eight minutes, but it can be even shorter if you, if you want, or it, okay. if it's better. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's so exciting. Okay. When is yeah. it and where? Saturday, October 19th in the um, CU Mackey Auditorium, that's which is so supposedly cool. a beautiful venue. Yeah. Yeah. So excited have about you ever that. Been, have you never been into Mackey? Mm-mm, I haven't. Really? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is beautiful. That's where they have like the Nutcracker every year and like the Easter services and it's beautiful. Oh, good. Awesome. That's so fun. I think that's great. Has public speaking been like, is that a a area of improvement for you or is that something you've always loved to do? That was a nice way to say it. Um, (laughs) You know, I don't know. People like this is their goal. Like, oh, in 2019, I want to get, you know, it's like I want to overcome my fears of public speaking. No, it was a nicer way to say that. Are you not so good at public speaking? Um, You know, with CrossFit and the lecturing on the seminar staff, I think that definitely helped. I also, have done public speaking since then. I've done Ignite Boulder, which was a relative, you know, Boulder theater type of audience. And then also kind of some other places where the audience isn't quite as big as Mackie. So I don't want to say that I'm a hundred percent comfortable, but I, there is, there is some enjoyment there and trying the challenge of trying to prevent, um, present something in kind of a meaningful way that, that is a takeaway for people. I really enjoy that. That is really cool. I'm so proud of you. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Last question. And then we can wrap up. Um, some of our listeners wanted to know too about meal prep doing the mm. 800 gram challenge and maybe Claire can weigh in on how, how you did it, yeah. how you were successful. Yeah. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go out and buy a whole pallet of peaches. So just go ahead and buy a buy and a then, pallet. And then you're going to be overcome with anxiety that the peaches are going to go bad before you can eat them all. And so you're just going to sit down and eat them all. That, that kind of sounds like my meal prep. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, like when I was doing the 800 gram challenge, you know how inevitably you, maybe other people don't do this, but I feel like I've seen enough memes about this that I know I'm not alone. You buy more produce at the grocery store. Like you buy produce aspirationally. <laughs> this, you will move from an aspirational produce buyer to a actual produce consumer. That's it right. will be great. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so the question was, how did you meal prep or some ideas about meal prep? Yeah, or just what ideas it? and suggestions and recommendations yeah. for meal prep doing the 800 gram challenge. You know, I, even though Claire's was a, a funny idea, it is true. Have something snackable on hand for sure. And and I also am a big believer, and especially if you're new to the 800 gram challenge, pick pick the things that you like. The, the idea that, you know, the aspirational buying, you know, and I've done it. It's like, oh, I'm going to make three stews this week or something like oh, that. Can I just interrupt you for one second? <laughs> And say that every time I eat a Japanese sweet potato now, I think of you. Yes. Aren't they delicious? (laughs) Every single time. Every time I go to the store and I see them, I'm like, easy. (laughs) Yes, they're so good. They're so good. Yeah, pick the things that you like, you know, pick the things that you like and they're going to make it easy. And then then if you're in it and you've got the routine, then's the time to kind of, I don't know, find the kohlrabi or, or all the things, you know, all the extra things to try in a new recipe. And yeah, like I said, have some really snacking things on hand. I think one of the undervalued or underused times with the 800 gram challenge is kind of that pre-dinner prep when you're hungry and, and making dinner. If you have like, you know, sliced up bell peppers and cucumber, you can, you know, hit a few, a few couple, a hundred, couple hundred grams then. 
And you're also not doing the chips or all the stuff while you're kind of waiting for dinner to get cooked. That's a really good recommendation. Whenever I have, I, when I do Costco runs and you know how they sell like bulks and bulks of vegetables. Yes. <laughs> I like when I get home, I bag them into smaller portions. Otherwise I just like forget about it and then I end up like wasting it. So that's another thing too. It's <laughs> kind of like doing a day of prep before yes. you, know, you start your week. And I know that really is really helpful for people, but you know, just make it, make it doable. Don't, don't overthink totally. it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the thing too, in the beginning, those prep days are great. I think once you get a little bit more into routine of it, you won't have to spend as much time, but yeah, you, if you've never done it before, you don't, you normally don't start on day one, just wildly successful unless you had a little bit of planning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one last thing I like to ask people too, about what, this is you love CrossFit. You're in the nutrition world. You're very smart. Mm -hmm. What do you do that's not related to any of this? It's like a passion project of yours or something that you like to do. It's not related to food or diet or exercise. Okay. Oh man, you just said exercise. I don't know if you're going to count this or not. Okay. I like, um, I like golf. So I play golf, um, which for me though, it's, I don't really do it. Um, what I would call competitively. Like in fact, a couple of the guys that I go out with, they, they sometimes are like, aren't you keeping score? And I'm like, Nope, that's the whole point. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I also really enjoy salsa dancing. So Ooh, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Salsa. The scene, I mean, I lived in San Diego for a couple of years, so Boulder isn't quite as big of a scene as San Diego, but, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely not, <laughs> but it's fun to get out every now and then for sure. That is so cool. Okay. So tell listeners where they can find you and, uh, remind them about your upcoming November challenge where they can sign up. Um, yeah, just optimize me nutrition on Instagram and also optimize me nutrition.com. And I'm sure I will release stuff on social media when the course is out. That's very cool. Thank you so much for the update. This has been great. It's always great to talk to you. And I love, again, I just want to reiterate the fact and the science-based information because we got to kind of take the emotions out of it sometimes and just have a real conversation about like, these are just facts. Let's just set aside the emotions for a moment. We can deal with them right. later. Like I like to say, just put it on a shelf for a moment. Let's just put yep. those on a shelf. We can take them, <laughs> we can take them down later. <laughs> <laughs> so I just really That's love awesome. that. Yeah. So listeners, you yeah. can go to optimize me nutrition on Instagram and message her there for all the information and the details. You can find us on socials, join Claire underscore girls gone Subscribe, leave us a review, send us an email. You know where to find us girls at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. That's it for this week. And thank you again. Bye. Thank you.